going to go to Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 35. Hopefully you're enjoying this weird sort of series thing we're doing. Going through Luke. Um, this, this is the 20th message, not <laughs> including Christmas. So that's... Luke 19 and 35. It says, And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. Let's pray one more time before we get into the word. I'm trying to give it a title. Be worship is contagious. Let's pray together. Jesus. Hallelujah. I worship you. God, I thank you for your presence that's here. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, I pray you would stir something up in us, Jesus, to worship you for who you are. God, I pray let your will be done in Jesus' name. God, speak to us this morning. God, anoint our ears to hear your word and my mouth to say it. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you all the praise, all the glory. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can sit or stand or whatever. Uh, this story we're going to talk about is called The Triumphal Entry. <laughs> because we like to give Bible story names and titles. Um, this is on all four Gospels. And um, technically, we should do it next week. But why do things when the calendar tells us to? <laughs> no. Well, anyways. This is in all four Gospels. It's when Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem riding on a, on a donkey, like a king, but different because Jesus, right? Doesn't do anything the way that they think that should happen. And so we're, we're, we're going to go through this story. We're going to hit some things on the way before we get to the main point. So be patient. I just feel it's important to go through the whole story, at least so we all know. Maybe if you didn't know the whole story, now you know. Anyway, so... That's what we're going to do. So verse 28, we're going to be in Luke 19 most of the time. There's one other verse or a couple other outside of there. But if you have your Bibles, just stay, keep it open to Luke 19. Uh, verse 28, and it says, And the, when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. So this picks up directly after our Wednesday night message. If you weren't here, that's a shame. Jesus has met Zacchaeus. And he said, salvation is coming to your house today. And he gives a little lesson on salvation. And then because the people are assuming the kingdom of God is just going to appear suddenly, um, Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God and tells a parable uh, that we talked about on Wednesday. And um, and, uh, talks about him going away to establish it, about the servants being told to obey and to conduct business, and one guy not doing it, about some citizens not accepting the king, and there is judgment, and all kinds of fun stuff. In that parable. And these are the things that he has thus spoken. So if we just pick this up, thus spoken, that's what it's talking about. So he continues um, on his way towards Jerusalem from Jericho. So he's done his story and he continues on. So verse tw- 29 it says, And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. So he's Continuing on his journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem, goes through Jericho, comes here. 
um, comes to Bethphage and Bethany, which is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lives. If you read John's version of this, in John 12, Mary will anoint Jesus' feet here. Obviously, he stops and sees his friends. And they stop here at Bethany, which is at the base of the Mount of Olives. And that's why it says that. And uh, it's on the southwest side. It's about three kilometers from Jerusalem. So he's almost there. And he calls two of his disciples. Which two? Nobody knows. Luke doesn't tell us. You can guess. Maybe it was Bartholomew and Philip. Thomas. Thomas and Judas. The two favorites. I don't know. Who knows? It doesn't say. So verse 30, the 31, it says, saying, go into the village over against you. In that which you are entering, you shall find a cold tide, whereon yet never man, never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man asks you, why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. Amen. This is what he says. He gives him some instructions. Two of his disciples, he says, go into the village you will see a colt. And we know from all the other versions that it is a donkey's colt. So he says you find a colt of, of a donkey that's never been ridden, it's never been broken, untie him and bring him here. And if anyone asks you why you're doing this, say because the Lord needs him. In Zechariah 9 and 9, there's a prophecy. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. There was this prophecy in Zechariah that there was a king that was going to come on a donkey, on a colt. And all of this was prophesied beforehand and everything is coming to pass. You can see all these things happening and um, because the word of God says something, that's going to happen. Remember that. So Luke, Luke is writing his gospel to the Gentiles, remember? So he kind of leaves out the reference of the prophecy because they don't, they don't know it. It doesn't mean much to them. But in Matthew, they, he refers to it. And, and so Luke kind of leaves that out and others refer to it. But it, it, and there's this donkey that's never been ridden before. It's never been broken yet. And if there's anything we know about donkeys... They're very easy going. No, they're stubborn, right? Everyone's looking at me like I'm foolish. <laughs> Sarcasm, people. Pay attention. Donkeys are stubborn, right? <laughs> There's another word for a donkey that people will call others that are being stubborn. I did a little research about riding donkeys and breaking donkeys, and. I learned, it says that donkeys will not take well to force or fear training and will remember it at a later date. Many a good donkey have been ruined by training, not conducive to a donkey, but more for a horse or a dog. So you got to train a donkey different than a horse, than a dog. I don't know. You can ask Sherman about it if you want. Your donkey should be, or Brenda, your donkey should be trained to walk well on a lead. The donkey should be friendly, a tame donkey, ideally anyway, and training should begin in a comp. Begin in a calm and individual manner. If you're in a hurry, forget it. Buy one already trained. Training an animal to ride or drive takes time. Some people think they can take an unbroken donkey to the lake, get on and ride it, but a broke, oh, get out and ride, a, ride it, but good luck to them. This is what this guy says. This donkey's never been ridden. It hasn't been trained to be ridden. It's just a colt. It's not... So for this to be happening, this part, this is pretty incredible, pretty remarkable. Jesus is going to ride this colt that's never been ridden, and the owner would allow it. 
And that all this happens. This is kind of, it's a weird thing. Most kings would come parading um, into town on a big, beautiful horse, but not Jesus. He's using a humble, young, unproven donkey. And Jesus has the habit of taking things that are a bit unusual and using them. Thank God. Or I wouldn't be here. Most of us would pick this person or that person or the outgoing one or the son of a preacher man. The super loud, ultra-religious one to be used. But Jesus doesn't always do that. He uses people we wouldn't pick. Things we wouldn't pick. Things we wouldn't choose. And for that, we should be grateful. God uses shepherds, tax collectors, fishermen, and even, even Pharisees. People that we probably wouldn't think would be used. He never does things the way we think he should or the way we would. He does them in his own way. And that's good. That's why we can't judge him or allow ourselves to be frustrated when it's not going the way we think it should, because it never does. He's going to do it his way, the best way. And we need to get out of the way and let him have his way. Verse 32, and they that were sent their way, no, when they were sent, they went their way and found even as he had said unto them. Again, something Jesus said happens. Amazing came to pass. Just what Jesus said, as if there would be any doubt that what he said would happen. Everything he said is there. They find the colt, no problem. But this all comes down to obedience, doesn't it? In order for them to find things just the way that Jesus said, they needed to do exactly what Jesus said. Right? If they didn't go where he told them to go, if they didn't look where he told them to look, if they just said, yeah, that sounds dumb, I'm going to get a horse. It would have ruined everything. <laughs> Let's go get a donkey that's been written on. This sounds crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a carpenter, a teacher. He doesn't know anything about donkeys. Right? <laughs> oh, look, there's a camel. That's probably better. <laughs> sounds silly. <laughs> but they wouldn't have found what they were looking for if they weren't looking where they weren't supposed to. And we have a tendency sometimes to think we know better than Jesus. Jesus says something to us, maybe in prayer, maybe in his word, and we say, ah, I think I'll do this instead. I think I'll try this. It's not exactly what I'm supposed to do, but it sounds good, and this seems better to me. No one else? Anyone? Amen. Wave of hands. Somebody said we only obey the parts of the Bible we believe. That doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. Right? We do it. And when we do that, when we go our way, we think we know better. We miss so much of God, what God wants us to do. Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. How about I go to Tarshish instead? Don't gather more manna than you need for a day or it'll go bad. I did it and it went bad. <laughs> Don't take anything from the enemy. Yeah, I'm going to take this stuff. I'm going to put it under my tent. Oh, look, the earth swallowed up Achan and his family. Don't look back when you leave. Now I'm a pillar of salt. All through there. Disciples, you, won't you will all abandon me. Not me. 
Yeah, Peter, you will. You're going to deny me three times. Sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. And the guy goes away sorrowfully for not doing it. <laughs> so many examples of people just, you know what, I don't think, you know, started with Eve. Yeah, I don't know. Looks good. I'm going to do that instead. When we just listen and follow him and obey and trust the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding, all the ways acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. Amen. That's in the Bible too. So these two, they do exactly what Jesus says and what he says happens because they obeyed, because they obeyed. As simple as that sounds, they see the word come to pass. We can't ignore the word. We can't ignore what Jesus says and expect the word to come to pass in our lives. And we just, you know what? I think I know better. I'm not going to follow that scripture. I'm not going to do that thing because you know, that doesn't really matter anymore. And then, oh, it's not working out the way it's supposed to. This isn't the real message. This is just a side. Move on. But you can't do that. And then get all upset because that's not working out. Well, maybe if you listen to him in the first place. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 33 and 34. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. So these guys, they just go into someone's yard. They start untying this colt. This donkey, it's hilarious. Hi, Lucy. The owners come out and they're like, hey, what do you think you're doing? Or if they're Canadian, uh, what's going on there, bud? <laughs> what do you think you're doing, pal? Why are you untying the coal? Oh, Jesus needs him. Okay. Well, if you say so. A donkey was used for transport, for carrying things. This would be like, you know, you come out to your yard or something and there's two guys starting up your four-wheeler. Uh, what are you doing, guys? Oh, Jesus needs it. No big deal. I'll bring it back. Right? What would you do? You come out with someone's hot wire in your car. Oh, God told me to do it. He needs it. There's a prophecy and stuff. You call the police. It stopped them. Depending on who you are, you may get a little physical. Right? <laughs> I think sometimes when we read these stories, we kind of just gloss over these minor characters. <laughs> and the roles they play. The two disciples that two disciples that these guys didn't know came to the yard and started to take their donkey because the Lord needs him, they said. And they let them. Obviously, Jesus wasn't going to send them to some cantankerous old fool that would probably threaten them or cut off their ears or fight them or something, you know. He sent them to the right people, but still, these guys had to let the disciples take the donkey. They had to allow this to happen. They had to submit their donkey to the plan of Jesus. And no doubt they'd heard about Jesus. No doubt they knew of some of the things that had been done. They lived in the same town as Lazarus. And Mary and Martha, right? Jesus had been there. Everyone knew what happened to Lazarus. Every time they saw him or their sisters, they'd be reminded of the things that Jesus had done. And, and they probably knew about the prophecies because most people were looking for the Messiah. And I imagine that when Jesus started doing all these miracles and, and things, interest in the prophecies probably peaked a little bit. Oh, I wonder if this guy's the Messiah. Let's check it out. Let's see if some of these things are lining up. I don't know. 
So they let them take their donkey. Beautiful. And I know we are currently 16 minutes into this message. We're going to get to our point now. This morning we're talking about worship. And worship begins when we submit to the word of God. Worship begins when we step aside and let him have his way. We talk about the palm branches. We talk about the rocks crying out in this story. We talk about Hosanna and all of those things. And they're all important and all part of what we would call worship. But this all starts when someone submits to God and his will and his word. I had plans for this cult. But Jesus needs him. Okay, you can have him. I had plans for my life. But Jesus wants it. Okay, you can have it. I have plans for this, but Jesus needs it. So, okay, you can have it. I'll give, give it to you. When we step back and we raise our hands and we let go of control, that's when it starts. It's not about me anymore. It's about what the Lord has need of. It's about what the Lord wants. It's about what the Lord deserves. It's about Jesus, not me and my plans and my stuff and my donkeys and my life and whatever. It's not about that. And once Jesus says, I need that, we give it to him. And that's where worship begins. It starts when we take our hands off of our stuff and our lives and our plans and our control. And we submit it to Jesus and what he wants. This whole story starts with two of the disciples and the owners of the cult. And they take that back to Jesus. And the other disciples in verse 35 says, And they brought him to Jesus, him being the donkey, to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. So they bring this donkey to Jesus. And then what? Then the disciples, they cast their garments on the colt, and Jesus sits on it. They... <laughs> They cast their coats, their outer garments. Uh, a coat or a cloak or a garment was your identity. Different occupations, different groups of people wore different things. Beggars had a garment that they'd wear. Kings had one they'd wear. Priests, you know, all these different professions. They would have these different things. You could tell what somebody was or who a person was by looking at what they were Wearing generally, and there was a significance here. Joseph, you know, he's got a colored coat. He's so special. He got a colored coat. His brothers almost killed him over it. David took um, more something different when he was going to dance before the Lord and embarrass his wife. Bartimaeus and Mark throws off his garment before he goes to see Jesus. The prodigal son comes home, and what does the father give him? A new coat, a new identity. And if worship starts when we realize that this is about Jesus and not me. And it continues when we start to lay down some of the things. When we lay down our garments, our cloaks, our identity, who we think we are, who others see us as, or we need to be willing to lay that down for Jesus. Without that outer garment, everyone looks the same. Without it, you can't tell who is a priest or a Pharisee or a king or a fisherman or a blind beggar. Everyone's the same. And if we're going to worship Jesus, we need to realize that none of that stuff matters. How you see me doesn't matter. How I see myself doesn't matter. Because the only thing that matters is Jesus. If we're going to worship Jesus truly, we need to realize none of this matters. 
Right now, our world is obsessed with identity. Gender, race, politics. It's insane. You can't be in the middle anywhere. You gotta pick something. And that's who you are for the rest of your life. No one's allowed to change. No one's allowed to make mistakes. No one's allowed to do anything. That's it. You're that for the rest of your life. We're obsessed right now with, with identity. But if we're really, truly going to worship Jesus, none of that matters. We need to be able to lay that all down at his feet. We need to be able to realize this isn't about me. This is about the king. This isn't about who's looking at me. This isn't about how people see me. This is about the king and what he deserves. It's not about what I look like. It's not about what I sound like and who is looking about me. It's about the king and he deserves my worship. It's about him. We will never be able to truly worship the way we're supposed to until we are willing to lay ourselves down, our pride, our appearance, our reputation, our identity. And look what happens in verse 36. And as he went, they spread their coats or their clothes in the way. Some disciples spread their coats for Jesus. They laid them down to worship the king. He sits on and he rides the donkey. And as they went, more people began to do it. Worship is contagious. It starts with the owners of the donkey letting Jesus have his way and them obeying the word of God. And it continues with some disciples laying down their garments and it spreads to others. And they go down the street and everyone starts doing it. They start laying their garments down too. In Matthew, Matthew's version 21 and 8, it says, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the crowd gathers and they start doing it too. But it started with a couple of disciples and the owner of a donkey. Some didn't have the outer garment. Some couldn't afford it, maybe. And they, they started to cut down branches from the palm trees and they laid them down. It's generally believed that they waved some of the branches, palm branches. That's what we call it Palm Sunday, but I don't see where it says they waved them. Maybe I missed it, but... Nonetheless, this spread. It was contagious. Everyone starts laying down something. Everyone starts submitting to Jesus. Everyone starts worshiping Jesus. All it takes is one person to step out. All it takes is one person to lay down themselves before the king. One person to submit to his will. One person to start it. We're talking about, there's a virus it's still going on. I'm going to start with one person. That's how contagious things work. It starts with one. It takes one spark to light a fire. One person to submit to his will. One person to start it. Matthew 21 and 9. It says, And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means, like, it means save us or Savior. Literally, it means save now. The crowd started acknowledging Jesus as the Savior. A multitude came. Multitudes. There's a ton of people there. And the crowd starts acknowledging Jesus as the Savior. And it started with worship. When the disciples worshiped people started to get a revelation of who Jesus is. 
That is why it is important when we come together to worship. This isn't about you. This isn't about me. This is about him. How many people here, when you received the Holy Ghost, received it in a setting where people were worshiping freely? Right? Why do we tell people when they're seeking the Holy Ghost, oh, just worship Jesus now. Just praise him. Just let it out. Why do we do that? Because something happens when we do. This all started with a guy letting Jesus take his donkey and it grew to the disciples and now it's grown to the multitudes. It's spread. Don't underestimate the importance of simply obeying Jesus. Don't underestimate the importance of simply submitting your will to his in worship. I doubt this guy thought it was going to grow this big. Jesus needs my donkey. Fine, take it. Just bring it back when you're done. (laughs) I doubt he thought they'd make a big Christian holiday about it. We name a day after it. Sometimes we are unwilling to step out and unwilling to obey and unwilling to worship because I really don't see how this is going to make a difference. I really don't see how anything is going to change. I really don't see that this is going to change anything. But again, Jesus doesn't work the way we think. Right? worship. There's a revelation of who he is. That's why we need to do this together. So people come, they see him for who he is. It's not about singing pretty. There's no record of them singing. They weren't playing anything. They were just straight up worshiping. And laying down things and maybe waving branches and shouting and crying and they were just giving everything they had. Luke 19, 37 and 38. And when he was come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The whole multitude began to praise and rejoice and worship quietly. No. No, they didn't. With a loud voice, it says. For all the things they had seen. When you are struggling with worship, start remembering the things you've seen. All the things that God has done. If you can't think of anything, I don't know about you, but I read with my eyes. I can read the Bible. I can see things in there. So I guess technically you can see the words at least. If you don't have something that's happened in your life, maybe you can't think of anything, look at the word. Start there if you want. There's no shame in that. This whole thing just keeps growing and growing and growing. Worship is contagious. One person starts and it's not long until someone else does. It's not long until another person does. And soon everyone's doing it. And soon we're all in the presence of Jesus together. And incredible things can happen. But if we don't ever step out, if we don't ever start laying things down, if we don't ever take that step, it's, it doesn't happen. And we just go the same way we always have. Soon everyone is praising and rejoicing for all the things we've seen. Blessed is the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But don't forget, somebody might get upset. 
Very rarely does somebody not get upset. I've learned that. And if nobody's upset, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> Verse 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude, some of them, not all of them, some of them said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shh, be quiet. There's always a party pooper, isn't there? We just need to ignore them because they are wrong. If you have a problem with somebody worshiping, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, you are wrong. Every time. Does that hurt your feeling? You're still wrong. Every time. These Pharisees were the most religious people and they were upset. Jesus said, Jesus rebuke your disciples, and they're wrong. Verse 40, and he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. You are wrong. They are not stopping. Because if they do, the rocks are going to cry out. This is how big this is. This isn't about you and your feelings and what you think people should be doing. Somebody's worshiping Jesus. They're doing the right thing. Jesus said, this thing is growing so much. If I tell them to stop the rocks, themselves are going to cry out. This is how contagious this is. This is going to spread to the stones and the rocks. <laughs> worship is contagious. Worship is important. A church that doesn't worship is a dead church. Worship brings us closer to Jesus. Worship puts the king in his place. And worship keeps us balanced and puts us in our place. it starts with one person. But it is contagious. It will spread. So, you know where this is going. If you don't, you haven't been around church long enough. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. Because that's what we do. The king is here. Jesus is here. But how are we going to respond? It's up to you. We're going to step out and worship. We're going to lay ourselves down, our pride and our identity. We're going to worry about what the Pharisees are going to say. Someone will probably get upset. Someone usually does. Choice is yours. It starts with one. All we need to do is, all we need is one to step out. All we need is you. It will spread, it will explode, it's contagious, it will grow. But if no one does, then sorry, it won't. We're very concerned right now with not spreading things. And there are things that we do to prevent that. I'm afraid we can take some of that into our worship. You know, you don't want to spread something. You wear a mask. You keep your distance. You keep your mouth closed. This may get me in trouble on the internet. I'll delete this one. And if we do that, when we worship, it ain't going to spread either. You can't worship by... Masking ourselves 
and our pride. We gotta take that off and lay it down. We can't worship by keeping our distance from Jesus. Worship brings us closer to Him. We can't worship with your mouth closed. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> We're gonna sing. Let's just worship Him together. I need someone to step out and say, you know what? He's worthy. He is holy. He's incredible. He's my Savior. And when we do that, everyone worships together. And who knows what can happen? I got the Holy Ghost before anybody preached because we were all worshiping during song service. We come around the altar and everybody worships and people get filled with the Holy Ghost. People are healed. Things, incredible things happen. But it starts when we worship because that brings us into his presence. And in his presence, anything can happen. I haven't said that lately. But anything can happen. So let's worship him together this morning. Because he is worthy. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is our King. And he's come to be with us today. In Jesus' name. Hosanna. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.